Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hey everyone, salut tout le monde, welcome to Game Over Montreal. All right, that was a bit of a crazy game. I think you all have a lot of thoughts here. Uh, we're going to get to it. Um, obviously, you know, disappointing loss for Montreal Canadiens. Good pushback in the end. We saw a lot of good things on the power play, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about that top line. Um, but before we get into that, the first topic, the first segment, I think it's what everyone wants to talk about, uh, it was the refereeing. And our good friend in Montreal, one of the favorite referees in the history of hockey chris lee was <laughs> at it again um so i am joined by i am the host this time i'm joined by you know him very well he's the person who masterminded this whole game over thing looking over the empire uh, of game overs is andrew berkshire um before before i i unmute him i want to get just a shout out to everyone in the chat really appreciate you so let us know what you're thinking we'll incorporate that in that show and uh, you're gonna be part of it if you have any questions any comments throw it in the chat make sure to like it because the more likes you get the more my bosses will want to pay me and my boss is the guy who's my co-host tonight um all right before we really get going a quick word from our sponsors want to bet you can do it at sports interaction canada sportsbook the nfl's in full swing the world series is ongoing by the way the phillies are losing or no they're winning a lot 7-0 versus the astros right now obviously the hockey season is well underway so you can bet pre-game and live in play and there are also a ton of prop bets prop bets for example will cole caulfield outscore austin matthews this year and cole caulfield uh is definitely in the lead right now if he does you get six to one odds on that it might have actually gone up since the last time i checked so this is made by canadians for canadians sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out join now and see all sports betting has to offer head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn that's sportsinteraction.com sdpn ontario only 19 plus please play responsibly andrew how are you buddy how did you what did you think about that game that was uh interesting on a lot of levels you know we, we we were talking right before we got going that some losses you don't have a lot to talk about we have a lot to talk about this time and uh we're gonna talk about everyone's favorite referee Chris Lee. What, what were your thoughts on that? I thought he blew about 50 calls, which is roughly his average. Um, but honestly, I, I think it, it's almost gotten embarrassing how poor of a referee Chris Lee is. Yeah, I mean, whenever I think of Chris Lee, I still think of one moment. And it was a game that I attended with my father-in-law on a whim. It was not to get like too real here, but it was uh, the day that he buried his own father. Uh, we went to their, his funeral and then on a whim, he was like, you know what? We're going to go to a Canadians game. I love the Canadians. And we're going to sit in the Reds. And it was cool. Habs versus Pittsburgh. And in the dying seconds, Scott Gomez tied the game. Oh, but Chris Scott Lee. Gomez. Scott Gomez. Yes, yeah, Scott Gomez. Okay, that's how long ago this was. One but of his Chris, rare goals. <laughs> yeah. But Chris Lee, while Gomez was shoveling the puck into the net, said that he intended to blow the whistle because he lost I, sight of the puck. <laughs> Literally. I remember that because it was intent to blow, which is pretty funny. Yep. Like when you're looking at Chris Lee there, because he blew that call real bad. Yeah. And I saw like the Habs Reddit Twitter account was going off on Chris Lee during the game that apparently yeah. he's like really hates the Habs. I like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he does. I think he's just not a very good ref and he made some choice decisions okay. tonight. I don't think it's fair to blame him for that third goal because everyone's ripping him for not calling the high stick on the ice. I don't know how you call that on the ice. You know what I mean? It was so fast. 
And as much as I personally think that it was 100% a high stick and shouldn't have counted, I kind of love that Rossi got credit for it because it was such a smart play to stick to it. And Caprizov as well, smart play to stick there. And poor David Savard sliding. What a great initial block, right? He's, and, you know, it's funny because I criticize him a lot um, just for being slow, but like his, his defensive play has been quite solid lately, Saval, even has. though the numbers don't represent it. Yeah, but that play kind of shows his limitations, right? It it shows he can make that great first defensive play, but in order to do it, oftentimes he's putting himself out of position. There's another play later in the game where he made like a really great block or like a stick check on the side of the net, but then he just like completely lost his man because like once he stops to make a play, he can't get going enough fast enough to keep with the play. And it's it's yeah. like I'm not trying to dog on David Savard because I feel like this year is what I expected of him last year where he mm-hmm. makes these great defensive plays, but like that's really all that's left in the tank for him. But uh, he's, he's just he's not a top-pair guy. He's just stuck doing that job right now. Which is, we have to bring that up every time. If you look at the numbers, they're like that pairing's numbers are, are, are brutal. But, I mean, they're, they're well in over their head. But I'm not done complaining about Chris Lee because let's talk about that Habs Reddit study they did. Now, this isn't just a, a person doing like a two-second study. They... They took a look at 20 years of data, basically. Okay. Like that's a, a ton. And they compared it to other teams. And the Montreal Canadiens get 13%, if I remember correctly. Andrew, you might be able to check yeah. that, but 13% more penalties under Chris Lee and their win loss, which you can't necessarily blame him for that, but it's about minus 8% or minus 9%. There's only one other team in the entire NHL that gets more intent to blow than uh, than the Habs, and that is the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, they actually won most of their games under Chris Lee, so that, you know, we can't always blame the ref, but I just don't see, like, that Gallagher play, that was the, in oh, the top egregious. three funniest muggings, because don't forget, Gallagher's gotten mugged many times before, but that was outrageous. On And you know what? That was because it was Brendan Gallagher. If it was any other player, and you know me, Andrew, I'm not a big blame the refs guy. But if that was any other player, I don't think that he would have gotten four or five interference calls missed on the same shift. Yeah, yeah. That was at the very least, there should have been three calls that he drew, drew on that shift because there was the Spurgeon cross checks repeatedly, right? The ridiculous amount of cross which, checks. Which, by the way, that reminds me, do you remember um, he was sitting there right there when Nick Suzuki got punched in the face in the playoffs? He was literally, that was the exact same thing. He was about three feet away and he's like, oh, there's the penalty. Anyways. Yeah, well, and Spurgeon, I don't know if he, like, grew up hating the, the Canadians or something. I know he grew up in Alberta, <laughs> but, like, he was the guy last year who brained Dvorak, remember, and didn't get any look from NHL player safety, nothing. Dvorak missed, like, a huge chunk of games, the concussion, and it yeah. was, like, a very clear, like, blindside headshot away from the play. Like, yeah. Spurgeon, he doesn't like the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know why, but the game got testy because of that. And then as after Gallagher recovers from all these cross-checks and starts skating out of the zone... I don't know what Minnesota pl- wild player it was, but they, someone tried to take out his knee. Oh, yeah. And then as he gets to the blue line, well, a guy on. reaches out. Guys. One or two guys tried to take out his knees. Like that was, it was like back to back. It was like, he pinballed. ball. Well, the set, the second one was a shot in like the shoulder. Like it was an interference. Wasn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, sorry. You got to call something. Missed calls. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but do you think honestly, because we've talked about this before off air, I really don't believe refs have a bias in general. I think in general, they're just incompetent all the time. 
Okay, so that's yes. like I know it's kind of insulting, but I do believe there is legitimately a uh, bias against Brendan Gallagher in this league because you're looking at a guy that should be drawing more pen- like when it's going well, when it's not Chris Lee on the ice, he draws more penalties than anyone else, and then Chris Lee gets there and nothing happens. Honestly, I think um, I like I, I don't want to be exaggerating here, but it's pretty rough to assign Chris Lee to a Montreal Canadiens game. However, in the chat right now. People are saying, hey, we had Chris Lee in our game last time, not even Habs fans, and he was bad there too. So maybe I'm wrong, but it really feels like, uh, and especially Lee has a target on Gallagher's back. Yeah, I mean, there are probably some refs who dislike certain players more than others, whether they've gotten something over on them or they just don't like their style of play. Like, I remember yeah, uh, talking to like, some people. Yeah, there's, there's some of that too. Like, I, I remember talking to some people behind the scenes like years and years ago and they were saying like one of the reasons why the canadians couldn't draw a lot of calls one year is because they had like a lot of small players and a lot of refs feel like because a lot of refs and linesmen are former large players because you know they're guys that have to break up fights stuff like that and they don't really have as much respect for small players unless they're like fighting through stuff so if you're getting taken down and you're not moving your feet really hard and making it very obvious that you're trying to get past you're not going to get the call so guys like uh david darnay who probably should have drawn twice as many calls throughout his career from being hauled down because he's not a great skater they would just be like well he just fell yeah right no absolutely yeah and you know if a small guy takes down a big guy well he obviously cheated right so then you get a lot of like i didn't actually see that but i'm going to assume that calls so there's that that's folded in as well. And also I feel like refs, I, as much as I don't think they're necessarily that great at their jobs, I feel like they're also kind of hooped because the league has such re- like very unclear rules for a lot of this stuff. The yeah. game is super fast and the, the players are getting bigger all the time. So the ice seems to get smaller. They have to worry about It is about a tough getting, job. Like we have to say extremely. it's a legitimately difficult job that Chris Lee is terrible at. Yeah. Yes. And you, I think they need off ice officials. Like that's, I've been beating this okay. drum for years now. They need off-ice officials who have a mic in the ref's ear who can talk to them live and say, yeah. hey, you missed this guy. And like yeah, they can absolutely. blow the play dead. And that's exactly because there's wild fans in the chat right now. By the way, uh, we, we ruined someone's birthday. Whose birthday was it that we ruined? Sorry, Kevin. But there's wild fans in the chat right now saying, like, listen, like we're, we're missing calls, too. For example, Eric Sinek, I, I watch sure. him a lot. Um, this guy gets like lumber all the time. So one way and we're going back to your suggestion here is you do exactly like rugby. It's exactly what you suggested. They have a person in the tent. The referee calls it down. It's a hot mic. So the entire arena hears it. He says, we're reviewing that play. Then he pulls himself completely, completely out of the decision. And it goes to a person who's there watching it. He explains it, takes two minutes, explains exactly what happens. No one complains. It's the best system in sports. If rugby can do it, then hockey can do it, right? You don't want to abuse of it, but uh, why aren't we going, you know, why don't we have someone there that doesn't, that 100% can't control the play? Because whenever referees say they don't want to be part of the play, well, by doing that, you're actually making yourself part of the game, right? 100%. And I feel like there's a lot, there's a narrative that goes around like, oh, refs don't want to give up control of the play. Like, I just, I don't believe that most refs in the NHL don't want to get the call right most of the time. Sure, there's going to be times where they're emotional because they're human and they just want to get a guy, right? They got caught, like somebody was an obvious dive, but they missed it. Later on in the game, they're going to try to get that guy. Sure. But I feel like 
most refs, most officials in general, want to maintain a level of integrity in the game. So having off-ice officials, I feel like it'd also be it'd be a great way to integrate officials in training, right? Yeah. So like you want to be a rookie official in the NHL, maybe you work like 30 games on the ice, but you work 100 games off the ice, right? That could be a great way to hone your eyes for the for the NHL You're game. You're making way too much sense now. Like, way too much sense. My mind. I know. And I will say, like, both of us, I think we talked about it before we went live. Neither of us are saying the Habs lost this game because of officiating. No, no, no. And the Wild Wi- were the better team. The Wild were yeah. the better team, in my opinion, for high danger chances. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like the Wild, like, they also got the bounces too, right? Like, they were extremely dangerous off the counterattack. And mm-hmm. the, the few chances that they did get that were, like, extremely great chances, they buried them. Right. And Kaprizov is just insanely good. How about, and I think I'm probably done complaining about the referees, but look into the rugby thing, seriously, because it's fun. How about that tip? Because am I exaggerating saying that Kaprizov tip was one of the nicest deflections that's ever happened in the NHL? Like, no, it's fantastic. Boldy whipped it in there. He whipped in a saucer. Like, that's it, blew my mind. And it was not just up, it was in the corner. Like, that was one of the nicest deflections. I don't know why everyone's not going crazy on Twitter right now, because that was fantastic. Yeah, it, when it happened at speed, like, I thought I saw the puck go in, but I wasn't 100% sure. And even, like, watching on the replays, I was watching TSN, and they were like, I don't know, that hit the crossbar? Like, no, that's in. Like, it was I didn't so it. fast in and out, but it was, like, what a friggin' tip, and what a pass as well. Like, I, I got to give the Wild their flowers, because they played a great game. They absolutely did. And, you know, just to give you an idea, the Canadians actually had more shot attempts, but the Wild had double the high danger scoring chances. Actually, like, you know, it was 12 to 5. So they controlled 70% of the high danger chances. But, hey, we knew this was going to be part of it with the Canadians. Hey, they're still the top team, a Canadian team in the uh, Atlantic. So that that's important. Um, but we knew there'd be games like this. So... What we're going to talk about next, we're going to go into something that was a little bit better for the Montreal Canadiens, um, I think. Uh, and it was something I was ragging on all year. I was saying, hey, like, they, they need to be better here. Stop forcing the puck to Cole Caulfield. So you know what I'm talking about. And that was the power play tonight. Fantastic movement on the power play for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, it was vastly improved. And obviously, we saw some shades of that in the previous game. You know, even uh, like Yuri Slavkovsky, who I think had a bit of a, a rough night overall. I, I think he was trying to do too much on his little bit of power play time. He had like some like puck on a string moments when he, to when gain he, the that zone. zone entry. That zone yeah, entry. Yeah, it was insane. Absolutely fantastic. And I'll say that, um, you know, that was something that people were worried about early in dev camp. They're worried he's going to keep his head down. Now, we also can talk about the fact that he should have probably protected himself a little bit better there at the end of the game. But uh, that time and space is doing wonders for Slavkovsky on the power play. Yeah, it really seems to have given him some confidence. And obviously scoring the game before he got hurt gave him some confidence as well. But he looks like a different player. You know, he's he's catching up to plays. Like I said, he's probably a little bit... Uh, behind tonight I didn't think he was great but still every game he shows something right and that's kind of what you want to see another extra layer added to his game so I liked him tonight I like the power play with uh, Doc and Druin kind of on the back there a little bit the I know movement. they had oh. yeah it was like Druin you know there's move. not going to be a shot 
right? Which Weidman, there wasn't anyway either. But at least Druan has like some quick decision making. And I feel like I'm not trying to di- like bash Weidman, but Druan is obviously a much superior I, passer. I'm going to check this out while you're talking. I don't think Weidman has a shot on the power play this year. Keep going. <laughs> I honestly I mean, don't think he hit the net once. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I if I were him, I wouldn't be shooting it oh, either. Once, it's just once the sorry. issue that I yeah, find with Weidman is like his lateral mobility isn't enough to create space up top. So he just kind of mm. it just goes back and forth to him and Caulfield very high, and there's no yeah. opportunity for Caulfield to strafe low. But what I liked about the power play tonight is that they weren't just always going for Caulfield. Having Doc on that top power play unit gives them another playmaker who can fill that role that Suzuki usually fills on that right wall which allowed suzuki to go into the bumper spot which created a goal and another fantastic scoring chance earlier in a power play so i am loving that little decision making process by either burrows or st louis or whoever to shake up the the who is on the power play units there i feel like it not afraid to better five forwards either that's, that's yeah been loving the five forwards loving it and I think it worked better with uh, with Duran on the back than Hoffman. Obviously, Hoffman has a better shot, but Duran's a better distributor and maybe a little bit quicker of a skater. Yeah. But there's still a significant risk with doing that. I don't think either of them are very good at necessarily handling the defensive responsibility of being last so, man back. So, which brings us to Ian, Ian, sorry, Ian, Ian Boivaya's comments. We got a lot of Boivaya's in the chat tonight. Jordan Harris West gestures wildly at Jordan. Now I've been beating the Jordan Harris drum here since the beginning of the year. Cause I just, this guy has mobility. If anyone's seen him at Northeastern, he can walk Northwestern Northeastern. Sorry. He can walk the line. Like that's something that he's done quite well. Uh, 2000, uh, two years ago, he had something like 25 power play points in, uh, you know, 30 games. Like he, he, he did it quite well in the NCAA and he's kind of like Weidman. You're not going to get a ton of, heavy clappers from the point, but he can get the puck on net. And I think he can distribute the puck as well as Weidman. And I, I maybe I'm overhyping him, but I really would like to see, I don't mind the five forwards, but I'd like to see Harris get an opportunity on the power play. Yeah. At least second unit. And that might be coming relatively quickly with Edmondson, you know, reportedly coming back to the lineup quickly. Cause I, I think Weidman is the first guy that they're going to have to take out. Just he's not on the top unit power play. He's not a defensive stalwart at even strength. I feel like Arbor Jacquei brings more to the table. And I mean, speaking of Arbor Jacquei, tonight, I swear to God, like, uh, it was just making me like his response to Slaff taking that hit. I don't think he actually did anything yeah. that was is like really against oh. the rules. He's just stronger than Rossi. Like it was just bullying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 100% and, and the other guy bullying. getting in the face, like. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was going to fight Rossi. I feel like he was just like, I'm going to push you down because I can. I love him. He wouldn't. He's not that kind of guy. He would never fight yeah. Rossi, but you saw the guy that grabbed him just looked at his shoes. You know how quickly he looked at his skates when he grabbed oh, yeah. Jack Eye? He was like, please don't hurt me. You know. Well, and as soon as the ref had Jack Eye and was like moving him away, there was another Minnesota Wild guy who came and was trying to play tough guy yelling while the ref was holding him back. And I was like, yeah, get used to but it, Jacques. This is like, going to be your whole career. <laughs> just like Darcy Tucker did to Francis Bouillon that one time, and then Bouillon reached over and piff, dread dans le that, that was a direct quote from uh, Yvon Pedneau. Um, Yeah, so I, again, I, I'm liking the change in the power play because, again, to me, that was one of the biggest issues for the Montreal Canadiens. And, and I, I also think their penalty kill is actually quite awful. I know there's been a lot of praise towards it. Listen, it's... I mean, it's Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau have been, all, have been great, right? 
That's and we can't take them out of the equation, but yeah, they're bleeding high quality chances against some shots. So the, the special teams are kind of getting better, but you know, there's still a lot of work to do there. Um, finally, what we're going to do now in the last segment, and it's something that I've been thinking about for a while. I've been, you know, I think Martin Saint-Louis has been thinking about it for a while is who's the best person on that top line with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Um, Tonight, we saw Kirby Dog there. It was his second game. And uh, let me just check the numbers real quick. But I think they controlled about 70, 80% of the chances there. Oh, 78% of the chances. 75% expected goals for. They had a ton of high danger chances. Just a ton. Yep. It's really, it's ridiculous. It didn't score. What was your uh, your overall take on uh, Kirby Dog on that top line? I thought in the first period, there were three different moments where he like wasn't thinking fast enough for what they were doing where either mm-hmm. Suzuki or Caulfield had put a layup pass to him, like right in a great area. And he was just like, oh, oh, and by the time he went to shoot it, it was past him. But everything else, every tiny little thing that you could critique, I absolutely mm-hmm. love him on that line. I think he is fitting perfectly his battle level along the walls to, to keep mm-hmm. plays alive. You know, he's, you know, his d- decision-making to go up high, he just is always in the right spot. That line has gone from being caved in every single night, but scoring to dominating now with him on the line and also and the, scoring the, the goals. And yeah. And like tonight, for example, no goals, but that could have easily been a two goal, you know, outing for that line. Yeah. I mean, Caulfield had eight shots. Like there's not going to be many games where Cole Caulfield has eight and shots. A and lot of good score. ones too there, you know, a lot yeah. of good, like he actually had time a few, you know, I, I thought Fleury, and, and I don't want to take anything away from him, but I, I thought he was actually, he looked a little vulnerable tonight. Now, yeah, I know that it was weird. <laughs> Classic I Fleury. Like... I know he, he only let in one goal, but I thought it would have been a good night for Caulfield to score. But unfortunately, Fleury, I don't know. He's got this voodoo, man. Yeah, I think my my takeaway from watching Fleury tonight is I think he made a great first save. But if the Canadians yeah. were able to maintain some pressure after shots, he would have got lit up. Yeah, but they weren't able to do that. And credit to the Minnesota Wild defense for clearing those rebounds mm-hmm. and maintaining control of the front of the crease. The Canadians just weren't able to penetrate there this like tonight. But uh, yeah. yeah, Flurry looked like a little bit shaky at times, but he was always making the first save. So whatever, that's what matters? That's, that's his that's job. All you have to do, absolutely. And uh, I'm going to actually elaborate on this comment, uh, the, this topic tomorrow, Montreal Hockey Now. So keep an eye on it. But overall. I think we can say, and we're going to get to some questions in the chat. I think that would be a cool way to close out the show because we got some fun questions here. Um, I, I'd have to say between Monahan and uh, um, Anderson, and who's the other person I'm forgetting that got a tryout on the top line? Uh, Anderson, Monahan, Doc, and someone else. But far and away, Doc has been the better fit, in my opinion, yeah. stylistically. And uh, he, he's better on the cycle with these guys. It unlocks... Um, Suzuki's playmaking as well gives him more options. Um, when Anderson was on that line, he just he, like he wasn't paying it, it was like uh, uh, you know, just a guy that wasn't paying attention to anyone else, he was flying up and down, and you're removing a lot of the value. It was all rush attempts, but with with you have Doc there, and I think Monahan was good at it too, but more sustained pressure, more sustainability, and that goes back to what you said. They were scoring goals before, but now they're scoring goals and they're producing great underlying numbers. So to me. I think you you keep Doc there for a nice little while. Give him an extended audition. 
Yeah, at least like 10 games. See if this holds. Oh, because Hoffman. if they can create yeah, Hoffman, sorry. The chat reminded me it was Hoffman. I'm sorry, yeah, Mike. <laughs> My bad. That never really works. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Andrew. Uh, keep him there for at least 10 games. See if this maintains. Because yeah. if you can, like, I know some people are concerned. A lot of they acquired Doc to be a center. Oh, well. Who cares? Like, yeah. If he okay. fits better on the wing, at least short term, and that's it, fine. It gives- it gives Tazuki um, a uh, face-off option, a better face-off option in the offensive or defensive zone. It also adds a left shot in there. So, um, or no, sorry. Uh, I, anyways, the opposite of Suzuki and uh, Caulfield, which opens up more shooting opportunities. Obviously, Doc doesn't shoot a ton. I'd like to see him more. But here's what I, I the one criticism I think legitimately you can make is the face-offs haven't been great. But when you look at Doc's numbers, the faceoffs have been quite irrelevant, isn't that? Like, isn't that the lesson here? Is that even if he's losing faceoffs, he's still been pretty dominant when he's on the ice. So, like, certain faceoffs are important, but that to me shouldn't uh, keep him from out of uh, you know playing important roles. Uh, maybe even taking those faceoffs when Suzuki's on the ice, because if you do want him as a center, and like you said, not that important, uh, he's got to he's got to learn. And the only way to be a good center in the NHL, as you know, Andrew, is taking a thousand faceoffs. Yeah, and I mean, look at Suzuki, right? He was not a very good face-off guy for the first three years of his career. All of a sudden, now he's like pretty solid this year, right? Still taking yeah. tough face-offs against top competition, and he's over 50%, I believe, still this season. Canadians controlled most of the face-offs in this game. You know, they've got Monaghan there to learn off of. He's really solid in the circles. Really so. Yeah. Uh, so is Dvorak. So they're a surprisingly good face-off team after being a terrible face-off team for the last several years, but it's fun. Yeah. I know there was a question or there's a guy here i think is a leafs fan who's trolling because he's talking about handshake line respect that's his, his name <laughs> <laughs> you remember when they were like well we got respected in the handshake line against okay. the lightning that was the, but, one of the most embarrassing quotes i've ever heard go oh, ahead yeah yeah but yeah uh he was saying <laughs> that's like, a great name handshake line respect. Yeah, he was asking if uh, the habs fans would prefer like making the playoffs or getting a high draft pick and everyone's like what are you talking about playoffs He's like, well, they're trending to be just outside the playoffs, so no high draft pick. Here's the thing, though. They're not actually trending for that. That's how the games have gone so far. But there's a reality check here, right? The Canadians are currently one of the luckier teams in the league in terms of their results versus their process. At even strength, they're 11th last in expected goals. And in all situations, because their special teams are still not good, I believe they're, yeah, fourth last. So... Things will they fall allow the most high them. danger shots on the penalty kill too? Like there's there's yeah. a lot of red flags here. Like there is going to be times this year where it's going to be tough to scrape out a win. What people are enjoying about this team is that they're not shitty to watch while they mm-hmm. will probably lose. Like tonight, Good. they lost four one. I was entertained pretty much yeah. the entire game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there there's it's there's a difference between being bad to watch and not having a plan for the future. But I think it's been pretty clear here that Ken Hughes is going to stick to the plan. There's no fast forwarding it. They're going to try to do it the right way. It doesn't guarantee anything, but it allows fans to take losses like this and kind of, you know, take the positives, go pull. Like we're talking about Jack guy being fun. We're talking about, by the way, I wanted to mention Jordan Harris. I mean, isn't that an amazing story as well? I I, I could talk about him for another 20 minutes. Um, so there's been a lot of fun to watch here. And I think you can see already the glimpse of the future, which is what's keeping Habs fans interested in all this. 
we had uh what else is it uh we had another little question here from oh yeah claire capaletti sorry almost got that completely wrong claire always <laughs> hangs out in all all my live stuff so shout out to claire big fan um what did you think about Drouin tonight? Now, I'm I'm an unabashed Drouin fan. Now, it, it's more about the person. I like the person. And I'll be honest, this is where I name drop. Me and Joe, uh, you know, we talk a lot. He's a, he's a really good person. And him being open about mental health has helped me. So I appreciate him for that. But, you know, that goes out the window when you're talking about hockey. So what did you think about him? Um, I'm going to lead you off with, let's talk about what he did on the power play. Yeah, I, I liked his play on the power play. You know, I, I don't think there's anything to complain about. He was, uh, like, more confident, I think, than I expected him to be just because he hasn't played that position often with the Canadians. Even mm -hmm. strength, I didn't notice him a ton, but when I did notice him, it was usually in the offensive zone, which is a good thing for Drouin, and uh, I thought he was all right. Uh, the one play that I did notice him in a bad way was there was an extended shift, I believe, near the end of the second period Maybe it was at the end of the first period, and I know that uh, Stu Cowan blamed it on Slavkovsky, but it he was a Druan blames everything on Slavkovsky. I know, I know, but uh, <laughs> it was actually a Druan bad pass inside the Canadian zone up to a wild player at the point that created the entire situation. But I don't, like that's just Druan sometimes. Like I, I, you take the good with the bad. I, yes, I think he's still you. working through things, right? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, the one shift I, I I thought five on five, eh, just okay. You know, um, you're gonna be playing, you know, on a line like I, he's still positive side of everything. I'm looking at his stats right now. He was good. You know, he played nine minutes five on five. What are you gonna expect? Power yeah. play. I think he's been quite good, and it opens up lanes so that uh, Suzuki can take advantage of them. Or tonight putting Suzuki in that shooting position. Even before that one timer that went in, he set him up perfectly. Before that. And also, what I really liked, and this is the thing Dwayne gets criticized about a lot, and I, I agree, sometimes the effort's not there, but he gave away a puck, and I forget if it's the first or the second. Um, on a, It was a controlled entry attempt, and he lost it. But immediate back check, recovered the puck, got it back in the offensive zone, and created uh, you know a, an extended shift in the offensive zone. And that's what you want to see from Jonathan Dwayne. Uh, you know, again, like you say, Dwayne in the offense, uh, offensive zone is a really good sign. But what you said there about what she's, you know, just accept it. That's what we have to do with Jonathan Dwayne. He's a 50-point goal scorer, point getter per, per season for $5 million. That's the price. He can't pick his goalie out of a police lineup because he doesn't go in the defensive zone. But you know that. You know that. And uh, he still makes a positive impact. People saying you want to, you know, put him a healthy scratch over Michael Pozzetta. Listen, that's that's crazy talk right now because this guy it will make more of an impact than Pazetta, who I love, and I think actually does a pretty good job in the fourth line. But uh, you know, uh, right now, Jonathan Dwayne is the least of the Montreal Canadiens' concern, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think in an ideal world, the Canadians would like to get Duran's confidence going, get him producing a ton of points before the trade deadline. <laughs> I know that uh, I think it's Curtis Lecision, the head scout for head pro scout for the Colorado Avalanche, has been, I believe, at almost every single Montreal Canadiens game this season. I don't know if it's necessarily for Drouin, but I don't think that there's a co like it's not a coincidence, or it's not it's not a coincidence. Yeah, it's not a coincidence that he's there, you know, for every Drouin game. And Drouin and McKinnon clearly have that long history. Is Drouin a top line player? No, but. No, but could put Drouin him on the slot in 
Yeah, put him on the avalanche and say if you if they had a line like Durant, McKinnon, Lekkinen, where Lekkinen is oh, carrying yes, the yes, bag yes, defensively, yes. right? And you could just let Durant and McKinnon have fun, and Lekkinen's there to finish off plays. Then they yeah. they can move Rantanen and Landeskog down to their second line to in, uh, insulate their very weak by comparison to last year's second line center. No offense, yeah. but Nazem Kadri's gone, right? Yeah. They could be right back into the Stanley Cup final, and we can see Drewan and Lekin and you know, <laughs> clinking their cup rings together, which would be great because I feel like, as much as uh, Drewan is not the player that the Canadians wanted him to be, I think Drewan, the person, is still a, a fantastic person, and I would be very happy to see him have success and be happy. No, absolutely. And and we've talked about this. I mean, maybe we'll call our buddy Eric and and and. Tell them how Dwayne is on the positive side of expected goals and whatnot. We have a direct line in there. So, uh, you know, you, you you brought Lekin into glory, and now it's time to bring Jonathan Dwayne, who, um, uh, one thing I want to talk about right before we leave, because we're I think we're out of time. We had a lot of fun here, and, and I wanted to thank everyone in the chat. I'll get back to that, but go watch junior hockey games, because I'll tell you why. When I used to live in Ottawa, I could go watch the Get Snow Olympic for $9, and every single time the Mooseheads were in town, I got to watch... Um, Jonathan Drouin, uh, um, obviously Zachary Fukaili, uh, Nathan McKinnon, and Jonathan Frick were on the same line. Those three were on the same line, and it was some of the best hockey. Really good hockey. So go support your junior hockey, and you're going to see some high-end players for 9, 10, 12 bucks. All right. Oh, we also got to tell everybody, Andrew, smash that like button, eh? Done. Andrew's done. Oh no! Are you there, there? Yes, Mark? absolutely. Actually, it's saying my internet, my 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 internet, my internet's disconnected. All right, <laughs> let me know if I'm back. I'm just gonna keep you're, talking until I'm back. You're back, Am Mark. I, back? I can hear you. Yeah. All right, that's my classic NDG internet. Okay, so if you come to NDG, get Starlink because you're never you're gonna lose your internet every two seconds. But at least I didn't drop. Right. I didn't drop. So that's good. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, please subscribe to our channel. I, I would really appreciate it. We're going to do this, uh, you know, a lot throughout the season. I do want to thank everyone, Sarah, Paper Dolls, Denis, Claire, for coming in. Let us know what you want to talk about next time. Andrew's going to be hosting. You can follow us on Twitter. Shout out to Robert for for moderating this. Our, our faithful Robert, one of my favorite people in the entire world. And um, that's it for now. Merci tout le monde d'avoir venu. On se voit à la prochaine fois. I forgot. I'm not doing this in two languages. We'll see you next time. That's it for Game Over Montreal. Oh, one last thing. Uh, Arbor Jacquet told me that the next person who gets uh, Slavkovsky is what they're getting. <laughs> I would rather face Arbor Jacquet than a than a Sith. I swear to God. Like you mean you'd rather face a Sith than Arbor Jacquet? Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. And I'll tell you what. At one point, when I was asking Caden Gooley, I'm like, would you rather face 50... Uh, uh, Cole Caulfield size Arbor Jacki or one Arbor Jacki size Cole Caulfield. And he's like, just, he's like, I don't want to face Jacki at all. This was last year. He's like, he told me he's the scariest guy. And this is before he dummied Messi Cut and uh, our good friend Zach Cassian. So happy Arbor Jacki dreams to everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time.